Tonight, on an all-new Intervention, we go inside the disturbing new addiction that's bringing America to its knees. My name is Doug Fritz, and I am addicted to yelling at celebrities on Twitter. Everyone in my feed was bashing Ellen DeGeneres, so I did it too, and I got 50 likes. I was like... Wow, this is cool. Yelling at celebrities on Twitter was a high like nothing I'd ever felt before. It made me feel morally superior on issues I didn't even know anything about. I was getting a huge rush of approval from people I'd never even met. But they must be cool because they agree with me. I started skipping family functions just so I could try and get complete strangers fired from their jobs. And then I hit rock bottom. My boss saw my hate-filled tweets about the people who were spreading hate. And I got fired. Intervention. The yelling at celebrities on Twitter epidemic. I don't want to put down my phone. Nobody likes me in the real world. I believe that together we can make America great again. Oh, girl. We are cranking up the outrage machine today. Man, oh boy, oh man. Nick DiPaolo. Best of the best is going to be joining us shortly on today's episode of Everybody Calm Down. Chill out, man. You live in the best country in the world. It's the best time to be here. It's never been safer. It's never been more tolerant, meaning less racist, less discriminatory. Never had a better economy. You've never had anything. You, anything you want, you can get. What do, what do you like? You can get. You want a chicken sandwich? I can get you a chicken sandwich. I can get you a sexy chicken sandwich costume. I can get it delivered. I can get you. To, you can Instagram the fucking. Th- you can do whatever you want. Is the point? So shut up. Stop yelling at each other. Stop getting outraged. None of you are really that mad anyway. You're just doing it because it's a branding exercise. It looks good to you in front of your friends to be like, "Hey, I hate those guys too." On this show, we focus about what we like. Damn it, we're Michter's guys. We're not Republicans. We're not Democrats. We don't care. We don't care who you vote for or why. All we want you to do is not be an a-hole. That's what you do. You come to the show. Don't be an a-hole. And if you do that, you fit in just fine. Good morning. Uh, First-time listeners to the show. Jimmy Fallon here, host of this fine program, head writer. For Kennedy on the Fox Business Channel, you can watch us Monday through Thursday, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Big week for me, man. Uh, I started at the New York Post yesterday. I am now the host, the official host of the official New York Giants podcast, Blue Rush, is the name of the title. Uh, Most likely because by the end of the third quarter of Sunday's games, there was a sea of people dressed in blue rushing for the exits. I don't know how we came up with this name. It sounds like a goddamn Gatorade flavor. Uh, And and we are a long way from dumping Gatorade on each other in the Meadowlands right now in Giantsville. But I guess there's nowhere to go but up. As I said on the Giants podcast, it could be worse. We could be, I don't know, Jet fans. Got beat like a rented mule by the Patriots yesterday. Not pretty. Uh, but, but but that's neither here nor there. We're not talking about football today. We're not talking about my new dalliance at the New York Post or the star turn I did on Fox News Radio yesterday. What we're talking about today is the real star, and that is Maceo Barry. Our producer, Sean Barry, is normally in studio every morning at this hour, making the rest of you feel better about your own substance abuse problems. You usually hear a rocks class clanging at 7 in the morning. Those are not props, folks. Those are not, those are not props. But Sean Barry 
has been invited up to school today to speak to Maceo Barry's classroom because he was named, Maceo was named, are you ready for this? Star of the Week. And that is a big deal. And the crowd goes wild accordingly. The Star of the Week. I mean, and I, I don't think I'm mocking this in any way. My son, Lincoln Fela. The only time I get asked to speak at school is when I've got to promise the lunch lady he'll definitely pay her back tomorrow. It's like, yeah, he's on his third chip, which are you sure he's going to cover this? I don't want to have to come down there to Fox News and rough up your little show there. I'm like, no, no, he's good for it. He's, I swear he's good for it. Uh, put Lincoln back on the phone. Lincoln, you better not eat another chip, which that's the only time I speak at, at, at an elementary school. Uh, you know, partly because of that, mostly because my ankle bracelet goes off if I get within 500 feet. But uh, congratulations to Maceo Barry on being named the star of the week, which is a big deal because this is not and everybody gets a trophy star of the week. Every kid doesn't get name, get, get to be star of the week. My only concern for Sean is, you know, as, as, a, as a childhood star, you know, it generally doesn't play out well from here. So you can look for Maceo Barry's behind the music uh, which I'm sure will be coming out any day now. <laughs> he bottoms out, starts doing whippets with his old man and your favorite podcast host, Jimmy Fela, uh, who is, so to speak, I'm kind of a showbiz star, uh, a child star in my own right, and I tell people this every day. Whatever intellectual know-how I possess on this microphone, I've honestly had since I was five. So I haven't gotten any better. I'm like, all you're really watching is the slow deterioration of what was once considered a child prodigy now regressing into adult mediocrity. That's all this show is. And that's why we're so inviting and we're so welcoming to people of po all political persuasions. We're not good enough to just cater to one party. Like, we can't, uh, we can't just cut off half the country, pull like a Jimmy Kimmel or a Seth Meyers or a Stephen Colbert. Late night comedy is failing... America. It's failing America. It can't be said any other way because it's denying us the common culture and the escapism that used to be an underpinning of our society. When Johnny Carson ran The Tonight Show, people hated each other politically. There were Republicans, there were Democrats, but we didn't carden off into sections and be like, oh, I'm never talking to you again because you don't vote the way I vote. You know, I'm unfriending you. Like we're five. Get off my property. Like, we weren't doing that in the Johnny Carson era because he had people on of all political persuasions and they just laughed. And it wasn't because they made fun of issues that are so near and dear to your heart. Oh, my God. It's because they treated each other as people and they realized that, you know, politics was such a small part of who these people were as a whole. And that's where we're effing up as a country right now. You guys are putting politics, people's politics, ahead of the people themselves, you know? And that's a problem. Tell them like it is. That is a problem. And um, our late night comedians have failed us because they're doing the same thing. They get on every night and do an hour of like, Trump's so bad, Orange Man's bad, Stephen Colbert. Oh my God, like I've, I've an orphanage on fire on Christmas Day is funnier than Stephen Colbert. 99 nights out of 100. He is fucking terrible. He, terrible. And, and uh, again, I'm sorry, because we're not supposed to curse in the show. Maybe they can beep that out in post. If they didn't get it, I apologize. But they're setting back comedy. Because what late night comedy was supposed to be is like, you take a guy like Donald Trump, and yeah, maybe you didn't agree with him. Maybe you didn't like him. 
But when Jimmy Fallon had Donald Trump on The Tonight Show and he mussed his hair, everybody was like, oh, he's, he's normalizing hate and this monster. But that was exactly what you're supposed to do as a late night talk show host. You're supposed to give us the candidate in a way we can't normally see them. Meaning we, you know, you normally see this one guy up at the podium, but 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 when you come on a late night show, we're gonna joke with this guy. We're gonna talk about you know, you know his flaws, stupid things he does, bad mistakes he makes, movies he's liked, football teams he's rooted for. We're gonna give you the guy. That's what late night comedy was always supposed to be. And even if we were talking about issues on say the Tonight Show, they would give you the guy behind the issue. Meaning we would have fun with it and we wouldn't use it as a cudgel to advance a political agenda. Late-night comedy now is effing garbage. I agree with that. Thank you. And um, it's not getting any better because people can't separate themselves from this branding exercise that comedy has become, which brings me to today's guest. Nick DiPaolo is one of my favorite comics that will ever live, and he's probably offended... More people than if there were if we had stats on the back of our baseball cards, like Shane Gillis, who just got fired from Saturday Night Live for saying ridiculously stupid things, by the way. They weren't jokes. They were throwaway comments on a shitty podcast that weren't funny. There was no angle to them. But again, I don't think he should be fired for them. I don't think we should be subjecting comics to this level of scrutiny. I don't think we should be giving words that much power in our society for any medium. But that being said, uh, he got fired, and any comic defending him uh, over his right to say non-joking comments that were derogatory towards minorities, I don't necessarily agree with you comics that that was the hill to die on. But that being said, Shane Gillis is a mom and pop compared to Nick DiPaolo. Nick DiPaolo has offended everything. He offends me. I've been on his show. If you were to read a transcript of his show when he and I are on, like you you would not know we were laughing and having fun because the words go fuck yourself are uttered at least 77 times an hour. But you might not agree with his politics. You might think, oh, he's rough on this group or that group. But that his job is not to be nice. His job is to be funny. And God damn it, he's so good at that job, which is why he's on the show today. And if time allows, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about comedy after September 11th and how I was in the city before I had even become a comic witnessing the healing power of stand-up comedy. We're talking days after the planes brought down the Twin Towers and the worst attack in the history of our American soil. Every comic in the city was doing 9-11 material, as unfathomable as that is now. Like, these comics who were doing 9-11 material then, those tapes could surface now and they would get fired because of it. And we'd have no regard as a society for the fact that it was perfectly fine for them to be doing it then, because that's how some people were grieving. The point of comedy is, jokes in general, it's a buffet line of life. You know, when you get a buffet tray and you're walking down the line, oh, I like the chicken fingers, I'll throw two on the platter. Oh, I don't like the sweet potatoes, I'll leave them. Oh, the boneless ribs, I'll take three of those. That's all jokes are. Put some on the tray, leave some off, keep going. But we've given them this greater power now, and it's also like emboldened late night hosts to think they're the modern day Socrates and the enlightened thinkers of our time. You guys are doing lip sync battles and dick jokes, no matter how you package them. Just shut up and be comics, which is why you have Nick DiPaolo on Everybody Calm Down today. He is a dude that shut up and did comedy. 
and has never shut up and will never stop doing comedy. And we are a much wealthier nation because of it. I'm Hillary Clinton and I approve this message. Post 9-11, Larry Amaros hosted the first show I ever saw uh, at Caroline's after 9-11. And it was literally like five days after the towers came down and he was doing crowd work in the crowd. Uh, it was literally a minute into a show. He was doing like, where you're from? Where are you from? You know, Philly, blah, blah. And we goes to one guy. He goes, where are you from? The guy goes, Boston. And Larry goes, oh, Red Sox. Third biggest collapse this week. <laughs> and the crowd lost it. Not because they were normalizing Larry's hate. Not because they were mocking or denigrating the plight of the victims. I had family and friends who were victims. I had police brothers who were there at the scene. Day of, as the towers were falling, thank God they're all right. But the point is, I was able to laugh in that moment because what comedy is, for most people who are adults, is a way to take the power away from their problems for fleeting moments in time. Nick DiPaolo may not solve your problems when he comes back. There's a very good chance he gets me fired, uh, but I could use the break at this point. <laughs> but he will certainly... Take the edge off of your problems. That I assure you when we come back on Everybody Calm Down. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Alive from the greatest country in the world, the best time to be here. Uh, name of the program is called Everybody Calm Down. I, of course, Jimmy Fallon, the host, pound for pound, as good of a host as you're going to find anywhere. This next guest is not only the host of a phenomenal show that can be heard the world over, but he might be the biggest Beto O'Rourke supporter I know. Uh, how about a warm uh, Everybody Calm Down welcome for Nick DiPaolo? What's happening, Nick DiPaolo? <laughs> Oh, how dare you! <laughs> are you campaigning on the? Oh, are, are you campaigning on behalf of women's menstruation rights as we speak, like Beto is yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah, it's period day apparently, or I missed it. I had it marked in my calendar in red, by the way. And uh, help is, me. Is he? Well, let me ask you this. Is it possible that he's messing with us, that this is a joke, and that maybe like SNL figured out how to write sketches again, but they're doing it as like performance <laughs> art? Because this is embarrassing. You know, I don't need you to be a Stetson hat rawhide guy, but I really right. don't need, I don't want to hear your gender pronouns. With all due respect to the people who live that way, Beto is embarrassing the male species, assuming he's one of us. Uh, I think you're insulting SNL by making that comparison, <laughs> and I hate SNL. Uh, yeah, he is just, he's got the energy of Dane Cook, which <laughs> bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you know, it's like his energy is offensive. I don't, and, and that's not a slight against Dane, by the way. He's fine. I, you know, he's nice enough guy. He's fine, but he yeah, is. no, and I don't mind his comedy either. I, I always no. use him more. Uh, when I, I <laughs> when it comes to the energy, but yeah, Beto O'Rourke is the worst politician I have ever fucking laid my eyes on. And oh, we're, we're coming after you, guns. You know? Oh, really? Does this guy even know the Constitution exists? What yeah. a dick. Well, well, listen, the way things are going, he might have to yeah. confiscate his staff's guns for their own safety. Because these people, a <laughs> couple more debates like that, these people are going to harm themselves. You know what I'm saying? What uh, What's going on down in Savannah, Georgia? The Nick DiPaolo show, it's all over the world. It's all over my Instagram. I mean, I'm never on the fucking thing. But it's everywhere. I feel well, like I'm on it. I know a lot about it. What's going on? Well, I'm not in Savannah proper, but, okay. uh, you know, close close enough in the area. But you can come on anytime you want, Jimmy. I, I, I just uh, We I, just made a transition from a studio that had all the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. And it was like the goddamn Fox studio Shepard Smith was using. Oh, the and news we weren't even using. We weren't even using the, yeah, the news dick, I call him. But, hey, uh, hey, hey, the, hey. Oh, Stop it, you. Any, no, I'm kidding. He's I know, a terrific I know. guy. He attacked me, you know. Oh, I don't he know. I, I don't know the history, but this is what I know about him. He brought his A game on the air every day, and he was an old oh, Miss. Yeah. He, no, just listen to me. He was an old Miss football fan. His ability yes. to block out old Miss football and still. So if I'm an old Miss football <laughs> game, you are not seeing my A game every day. I don't know if I even have one at this point, but but you ain't seeing it after another 48 to three blowout at home in the SEC. Um, but well, I wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You go to Stony Brook games and you bring your A game. <laughs> <laughs> Champ. Listen, I'm not going to be put down. I went to Nassau Community College, and I will have you know that this whole college bribery thing was an outrage to me because, as I've said before, I earned my way into Nassau Community College the way people do. You give a guy named Spider a bag of weed, he hands you a diploma, and you're out of there. You know, there was none of this cutting corners. There was none of this bribery. You know, I went to UMaine, and uh, I had uh, you didn't have to take SATs to get into UMaine. You had to debone a moose in 60 <laughs> seconds with your bare hands, a field dress a deer. But uh, <laughs> so I'm kidding. Shep, uh, Shep is a you know everybody sings his praises. Ah, he's great this at what thing, he does. You couldn't be better. Yeah, There's no, a lot of people. No doubt, no doubt about that. Well, this is I, the thing. I'm, I'm just gonna be honest. Yeah, I'm glad he's gone. Oh, you. I, I listen. One way or the other, for me. What I've come to appreciate, the reason I'm doing this show, it's called Everybody Calm Down, is because my feeling— You got the wrong guest. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know, well, I, you know what I was going to say about that? Is I, I don't want you to calm down. You're the one guy I encourage you, I implore you to keep going because you're running great cover for the rest of us. Because what happens is, like, if I'm out there dropping F-bombs, it sounds bad, but then you run past me with a couple of C-bombs, and all of a sudden F-bomb Jimmy doesn't seem like a problem, you know? So you, yeah. are, my, you are the Tom Rathman to my Roger Craig. Because I, I can't stand to give you Patriot references in, with the season the Giants are having right now. But um, what I wanted to say to you, because I, I did want to switch gears on this, is people that are good at their jobs, regardless of what political affiliation they have, I have an appreciation for them. Like, can you tell me a Democrat, who I know you certainly don't support, but can you tell me a Democrat you think is great at what they do? You, you just have to admit they're great, even if you think they're a scumbag or you hate them. Who do you think is great in the Democratic Party? At what they do. Yes, just at what they do. Well, 
I would say all of them, if what they do is uh, lying and cheating and putting down the right. <laughs> I'd say they're all A-plus uh, performers. They bring their egg in. No, I can't. I, I, I can't. It's personal? I can't. The show's I called can't Everybody die. Calm Down. You got to – I'm kidding. It's fine. I get it. I, listen, I had Antoine Seawright on, who works for the Clintons. Uh, he was a consultant for the Clintons. And I, the only Republican he could give me is, as a Democrat was Colin Powell. And I was like, oh, that guy, oh, yeah, that yeah. guy who duped us into a war. That's the one guy you're going with. But fine, fine, he, I can see. Yeah, he's about as Republican as Mayor Bloomberg. Okay? <laughs> hey, Mayor Bloomberg, I want him to run just to be at that first rally in West Virginia when they introduce him as a Jewish man who wants to take away your guns and your soda. That's going to be like <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be like a you Borat sketch. <laughs> I, I want to go to a Bloomberg rally, and uh, I want to hit him not with a milkshake, but with a giant Slurpee when I was sixty <laughs> Look at the, the sugar in this chef. thing, Bloomy. I mean, that's yeah. the thing he didn't understand about New York is, I mean, you lived here a long time, is like the whole point of living in New York is we want to cheat death, and we like dangerous food from dangerous people. Like the rest of the country wants the safety of a chain restaurant so they know who to sue if something goes wrong. We want chicken right. that was just being towed on the BQE 20 minutes ago. Getting breathed on by an exhaust pipe. That's who we are, you yeah. know? Yeah. Or, or, or a hot dog that's been floating in the East River water and boiled <laughs> up by a guy from Al-Qaeda. Yeah. Oh, boy, we're doing it. We're doing they're it. Selling, they're selling Coptic Christian meat on those sticks. It's oh, not even lamb. I, mean. I, I don't know what's going on, but I, I would venture to say the Board of Health isn't involved, is all I would say. He never get a... You, <laughs> if they are, they're going to have to... That's why I never ate at those food trucks. Yeah. I never want to eat at a restaurant can, that can outrun the Board of Health. You know? <laughs> I can roll oh, away. You know what it's like? <laughs> it's, it's like when you're a little kid, your mom used to put you on those carnival rides that were also trucks. So it was like if the, if the, if the, 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 the Ferris wheel didn't work out, it just drove two counties over. <laughs> There's nothing you could do. It's actually a good point. Uh, that's the kind of love we had uh, in the Fela house. But, but people come uh, to hear Nick DiPaolo because they want unfiltered co- uh, commentary, and they certainly love your comedy. Like, I can tell you on the Kennedy team, you had a lot of fans on that team because they like tough love humor, which we don't have a lot of anymore. And the thing, you know, that, that drew me to New York comedy when I started, uh, probably a little bit later than you, is every comic was a dick to everybody else, kind of on purpose, because it made yeah. that busted balls. We enjoyed doing it. Everybody had sharper chops now. I don't know yeah. that that's going on anymore. Like now it's like they're just swapping smoothie recipes and liking each other's bullshit on Twitter. Do you think we need more tough love in the world? Or do you think maybe they couldn't even handle it at this point? Yeah, no, we need more. I, I sat at that comedy table, which I, I actually invented, by the way. Oh, at the cellar. I sat at a couple. I, yeah, this comedy seller. Right. I sat at the table about a year and a half ago for the first time. I thought I was at an Oprah book club. Uh, <laughs> it was just the saddest, silliest, just absolute. I mean, Patrice O'Neill be rolling in his grave right now. Oh, I know. He couldn't take that. Tipping everyone... over 19 headstones when he says it. But, um, <laughs> that's the kind of tough love. Well, this is... <laughs> that's the... Me and Patrice used to be yelling racial slurs at each other. In that at the comedy, I cellar, saw that, that them. Table, that, that table was at the at the restaurant. Uh-huh. I mean, people were in there with families and kids trying to eat their hummus, and me and Patrice are yelling racial slurs and cursing like we were pirates. And you'd see little kids crying and the women taking their kids outside. <laughs> and, and Manny would Manny would come upstairs and actually laugh about it. That's what made him the, the late great well, Manny Dwarf. Yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. 
slap us on the back and go, keep it going, fellas. I'm going to get to him in a second because I have a, thor- a story about him. But it's like you and Patrice were filming a remake of When Harry Met Sally, but instead of an orgasm, they're <laughs> shouting racial epitaphs at each other. <laughs> and and right after and right after you said the most horrific thing to Patrice, some Southern guy was like, I'll have what he's having. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I like this DePaulo guy. Um <laughs> Well, I bring this up. This is why I bring it up. And Manny is the good example of what I wanted to pivot to anyway, is when I was starting yep. out in stand-up comedy, it was a post-9-11 New York where it's, it's unfathomable for people to, to, to even contemplate that this was possible. But everybody yep. was doing 9-11 material two weeks yep. after 9-11 and aggressive material. Patrice was doing that bit about his leather jacket. He's like, you like my new leather jacket? He's like, the Arabs are having an I didn't do it sale. So they're giving everything away right now. And it was <laughs> funny. And like Arab people laughed because they were like, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, this is the position we're in now. Um, and, and I don't think people can even fathom that you were like blocks away from the actual smoke and that this is how people were bonding. What I think is being lost, Nick DiPaolo, as they try to elevate comedy to this higher art form that's held to a higher standard, is we're overlooking comedy's power to actually unite. Like, they're using it to divide people by saying, like, oh, you can't make fun of these people. But when you make fun of a protected class of people, you're actually treating them as an equal. You're saying, hey, you're not off limits because you have some kind of disability. You're saying, yeah, you're a part of this, too. You're at the show. You bought the two overpriced shitty drinks. Here's a couple of punchlines for you in the wheelchair. You dig? Um, were you a part of that scene? Were you doing comedy at the cellar when they were doing was that? I a part of it? I know. I was the first one on the stage. Hey, it's called, had, a, had, had, it's, it's called a setup, fuck nuts. Go ahead. <laughs> I was setting you up. This is Comics Unleashed now. I'm trying to, I'm trying yeah, to thread the line. Say, yeah, oh, God. Oh, God, that's exactly what that was. So uh, he did 9-11 jokes after 9-11, and then he cuts the other comedian. Goes, I heard you got a haircut yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was on stage two nights. The, the first night they opened up again, which was two nights after 9-11. Mm-hmm. I was probably the second comedian on, mm-hmm. and the first one... I did. I did 15 minutes off the top of my head about uh, Muslims. Okay? Oh wow! And yeah, but you could do it minutes then. Of but... vitriol with nine people in the audience. Oh man! There was still dust on our cars. Oh man! And then uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, who's the comic? Uh, he, uh, Hood. You know him, goddamn. He's from. Um, <laughs> did you say Hood? I did say Hood. <laughs> no, no. No, uh, what's his name? He does all. He, he used to talk in a baby voice. He's from Long Island. Oh, He's of course. Funny. No, 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 no. Mitch, Mitch, Mitch Fatel. Mitch Fatel. Yes. Mitch Fatel came upstairs and he was upset and he sat at the table. And said, I can't believe you guys are talking about that. Uh-huh. And, and Mitch is known for his sex humor and his relationship. Yeah, and I is. said, shut up. I, I said, if those planes hit a giant dick, you have a new hour. Okay. Oh, good God. <laughs> yeah. but, but I want, I, it's, it's a point I wanted to make. Oh, good God. But, what no. am I doing? Conan? <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm just up. laughing. Uh, you're making this me laugh, you bag of dicks. Of course it is. So it brings me to Hood. The reason I I brought up Hood is do you remember Hood was doing a bit where he was he'd run onto the stage and he'd say I'm Iranian uh, he'd get no reaction he'd be like thank you very much and then he'd go I just want to open the show by doing something in the name of Allah and he'd open up his jacket and have a dynamite vest on his body and it was insane it was completely it was the most unhinged shit I've ever seen in a public forum but it worked because as, as dark and as heavy as it was people were like my you know it was reality 
you know? And I think that, and this is part of the reason I wanted to have you on and call me Conan, is because, which I love, by the way, is, is I think people are missing out on the point of we're supposed to talk about the real world because that's what enables people to kind of cross that continental divide we're in now by recognizing there's a shared reality for all of us. Instead of this like digital reality we've all augmented in our phones with certain apps and certain feeds, post 9-11 comedy in New York, we were just talking about the deal we were dealing with. And it was heavy, but it was the best shit I've ever seen. Was that as much fun as you had doing comedy? Was that the best era to do it in? Absolutely. And the phrase is, it's called being socially relevant. Thank you. I mean, for Christ's sake, I went on stage, I still had dust on my, literally dust on my jacket. I remember that. Uh, can you can you imagine going on stage a mile from the worst attack in the history of the world happened and uh, not talking about it? No. If you do that, you don't know what, you're not a goddamn comic. Yeah, you're just not. You're, you're a crowd pleaser and, 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 and you do evergreen material. And uh, <laughs> I mean, if you stick your head in and watch a comic, for like 15, 20 minutes, and, mm -hmm. and you can't tell if it's uh, 2011, 1989, mm -hmm. 2015, then you, you have to be, I don't mean get preachy and be yeah. a Lenny Bruce, but I, I'm just saying you got to do a little bit of that. Yes. I, I could write evergreen shit all day and probably be three times richer than I am, <laughs> but I, but we are given a platform where we can say anything we want, mm -hmm. and, and I had, you know, I had enough office jobs too. Yeah. <laughs> when I got out of college, to, to know that I, I got so excited when I said, I can't say this in an office, <clears throat> even back in 1987, yeah. but I can say it on stage. I great. never took that for granted to this day. No, but people are. People are giving it away now. What's going on now is a comics... Yeah, those are called? Those are nerds. Yeah, they are nerds. Well, well comics, this is what's happened. They're, they're letting outside forces tell us what we can and can't do. Because comics liked... The kind of digital hand job that came from comedy blogs. Remember, like five years ago, all of a sudden they started talking about comedy like we were these exalted, you know, philosophers as opposed to the drink pimps that we really are. Like That's we're, right. we're, we're peddling, right. we're show ponies dancing while, while master sells liquor for all intents and purposes. But they started to treat us like we were Socrates. And with that came this other level of responsibility. Like the one message I get all the time, I had DC Benny on last week. I love DC Benny. Um, and, yep. and, uh, he was talking about how he hates the term punching down. Where people are like, oh, you know, it's punching down. It's it's like people have created ways to describe comedy that allows them to sound like they know something, but they don't actually know it. It's like sabermetrics in baseball. You know, they can be like, this guy can't catch, he can't hit, he can't run, but he takes a lot of first pitch pitches, which works the count, right. so he's good. He sucks, you know, and that's what it's right. become. Do you punch down? Do you punch up? Do you give a shit? Where are you on this? I mean, I think Dude, I know. I, 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 again, I hate to blow my own horn. I was the head of the curve on this one, too. Because I was being accused of that after like my second CD uh, in the <laughs> mid '90s, and I do a thing now. I, I, you know, I make fun of Stephen Hawking, and because uh, I, because I smoke, mm -hmm. and people say, well, people say that uh, sitting down is as worse as smoke. You know, sitting is the new smoking. Uh -huh. And I say, well, if that was true, Stephen Hawking would have died 40 years ago. And, <laughs> okay. and, and, and people go, well, that's punching down. I said, of course it is. He's sitting in a wheelchair. I'm a stand-up comic. Of course <laughs> punching down number one. And, uh, and I said, how could he be punching down? The guy, the guy was richer, more famous, smarter than I'll ever be. Yeah, I, mean, I know. You know, how, how, how was that punching? And, guy and, used to write 10 books with his tongue a year. And, and, I, can't push out, I can't push out a pamphlet. No, I'll give you, I'll give you one, okay? My, my grandmother. Okay, 
when later in life, she's a Polish, uh, you know, Polish woman immigrated to America, smoked, you know, like she was getting paid by the, she was getting Marlboro Miles, you know, she was going for it. And uh, later in life, in her 70s, she lost both of her legs. And it was old school immigration where, this is a real story, she went to Nassau County Medical Center in 1981 to get a leg amputated because it lost circulation. They cut off the wrong leg, which happens more than people think. Yes, anyway, it does it, happen it, a lot. It does, happens more than you think. You wouldn't think it Polish, would. Especially to Polish patients. Hey, there it the is. There it is. So, so uh, hey, I'm Polish. Did you hear about the Polish family that froze to death at the drive-in movie? They went to see Closed for the Winter. Anyway, there it is. <laughs> if you hung up on <laughs> <laughs> Did you really have to say I'm Polish? Well, you set it what up again. Now what you kind of faggy podcast are you run. Uh, the, the exact one you 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 think it is, but stick with me, okay? Are you ready? So my grandmother, <laughs> yeah. so my grandmother who had her one leg amputated, they had to go back in for another round of fun with power tools and take off the other leg. First of all, she yeah. never sued because back then there was a certain nobility to not suing. You didn't want to be the person who sued, so she just got in a wheelchair. But one of the things I'll never forget is we were getting a bus ride home from that share a ride senior citizen thing and there was about mm -hmm. eight inches of snow on the ground and the driver was trying to figure out which address it was and she goes it's the one with no footprints in the snow and <laughs> i thought that was like so insanely funny and she was like what i'm i, I don't get to tell jokes anymore because i don't have legs what the fuck is this and that's, that's the point go ahead yes that's very similar to our, uh, our high school, our high school uh, athletic director. He was this old guy who had uh, Parkinson's, mm -hmm. and uh, Charlie Vi, his name was. Mm -hmm. My sister came home from the Thanksgiving Day football game. It snowed that morning, mm -hmm. and uh, she's sitting at the table. My buddy Bob Murphy, who's the funniest person still to this day, he's the reason I get into comedy. There you go. So my my sister says, uh, "Yeah, I went to the game. We saw Charlie Vi there." And I go, "How do you know?" I didn't know she knew who Charlie Vi was. Uh -huh. I go, "How do you know it was Charlie Vi?" And my buddy Murphy, that I've been looking up, he goes, "He's the only one there with no snow on his hat." <laughs> oh boy! Without even looking up, he kept eating his stuffing. Didn't even look up. This guy was brilliant. <laughs> hey! But the point being, the point being, that would be considered offensive today. That's actually a brilliant line. Of course it is. God bless her. Yes, and the and the people telling it in the aggrieved class appreciated the right to tell it because you were you were you were treating them as equals. Look, Nick DiPaolo, uh, I don't know where I thought this would go, but we opened on 9-11 and we closed on cripple jokes. This is everything <laughs> both of our fan bases dreamt it would be. <laughs> come uh, yes. come north and do Kennedy soon, man. You gotta do the party panel. We're dying to have you. I, I am embarrassed that I haven't because I, the minute Kennedy came on for I go, who is – I knew her a little bit from MTV. I go, she's so smart and funny. Yes. And I'm not just saying that. She's one of my favorite personalities ever. I'm embarrassed I haven't done it yet, well, but well, uh, the door is the, I would love to. The do Assuming this interview never airs, the door is wide open. No, I'm kidding. You're the man. Let's, uh, let's talk again soon, okay, pal? Let, let's uh, tell people to go to nickdip.com, and uh, I do a streaming show every morning at, uh, from 11 a.m. to noontime, Monday through Thursday at nickdip.com. The first uh, Mondays, the shows are free. Okay. And, uh, and, and we've added 100,000 YouTube subscribers in less than a year, Jimmy. So wow. we're something. No, you are yeah. killing it. So, may, yeah, maybe don't book me. It seems to be working without me, man. You <laughs> can come a... on. You have an open invitation. I just don't like having guys on buddies me and that a little hey. more informed politically. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Stop it. You're the best, man. <laughs> we'll do it again soon, All huh? Right, Take care, Nick. Thanks, Jimmy. Oh, you, buddy. Take All care. Right. Bye.
There he went, Nick DiPaolo, living legend. That's how you're supposed to tell jokes. I know a lot of comics come to everybody calm down. They want to hear what I'm up to every day and how I managed to parlay all of this nothing into all of this something. The truth is just do you, boo. That's what you're supposed to be. Comedy is, this is comedy. This is it. Somebody once told me this in, in the beginning of comedy. It's who would you be if uh, on stage if there were no consequences from your boss, your coworkers, your spouse? Larry David once famously told me in the Caroline's Green Room, he said that, you know, I'm not the Larry David you see on Curb Your Enthusiasm. If I was that confrontational in real life, someone would probably actually kill me. But this is who I want to be based on little societal grievances that I have. So I've written this character that's the superpower version of me. Nick DiPaolo, whether you agree with him or you disagree with him, is the superpower version of, of, of a comic. He just zero fucks to give. And uh, if you're going to get into comedy and take yourself seriously as someone we should take seriously, stop letting the crowd tell you what to do. I'll tell you what to do. Wait three minutes because we got to take a break. <laughs> Mattel presents Woke Barbie, the toy that takes offense to everything. Like, what do you mean? You're giving me a dream house? How do you know what my dream house is? Oh, like a woman can't think for herself. I get it. Woke Barbie comes with a gorgeous pink Corvette that you can drive anywhere. Well, like, why isn't this electric? Do you even realize how much you're devastating the environment? Woke Barbie. The toy that comes with everything except a boyfriend. Because she's too damn annoying. Ken left me, but whatever. I couldn't stand the way he was always assuming my dog's gender. What a monster. It's okay, Jacob. Exit. Exit the dragon. There goes Nick DiPaolo. NickDip.com, follow a show. Get offended. Play it for your liberal friends. Play it for your woke Beto supporting pals. Nick DiPaolo doesn't give a fuck, and neither should you. That's why we do a show called Everybody Calm Down. Stop being a child. You have to get upset. Somebody doesn't agree with you. We're not all Klansmen. The people who voted for Trump, they're not all Klansmen. They're not all white supremacists. Barack Obama won on two elections with an overwhelming majority of the vote, like 60% of the vote. 20% of those people turned around and voted for Trump. So what happened? Explain this to me. They didn't all become overnight Klansmen. We're not living in the world you're being told we are. And that's why I implore you to put down your phone, pick up this podcast, turn on the Kennedy Show on Fox Business, and get over it. Seriously, get over it. A couple of headlines. A couple of headlines before we go. Things we want to do here. Things we want to finish up. People say to me all the time, like, yeah, how could you support the president? I don't understand that you could get up this guy with the Twitter, the girls, and the... Yo, I'm giving you this hard and straight, man. America is is my Yankees. Okay, I'll start here. Let me just back it all the way around, okay? As a, as a Yankee fan growing up, I didn't like Roger Clemens. Wasn't a big Roger Clemens fan. He was a Red Sox. We hated him. Big rival. Didn't think he was the best. But one day, he got out of, I got out of bed, and Roger Clemens was pitching for the Yankees. So what am I going to do? Not root against the Yankees? Because I, I was mad at Roger Clemens? Duh. America is my Yankees. And Roger Clemens 
for all intents and purposes, is now pitching for us. Donald Trump is on the mound. I I'm not rooting against the Yankees. If you want to replace him with Tulsi Gabbard, because I could get behind, I'm still going to root for the Yankees. If you're going to replace him uh, with Bernie Sanders, I'm still going to root for the Yankees until we start pawning off our assets and furniture to pay for his socialist agenda. <laughs> if you're going to replace him with Elizabeth Warren, I'm still going to root for the Yankees until she changes our name to the Chiefs. Do you understand? I'm a goddamn patriot. What a time to be alive. A couple headlines. We'll get out of here. I usually get to do these with Sean and we have a little, a little back and forth. We're not back and forth in today. It's just you and me. God, I hope this mic's been on the whole time. <laughs> Otherwise, me and Nick DiPaolo are just talking to nobody. Uh, an aide close to Hillary Clinton says she has no plans to jump into the 2020 race. That is a fresh report this morning. And I do believe it. That is exactly what she said in 2016 and 2008. Why would she lie to us, uh, Hillary Clinton? Uh, I, I don't know that she ever stops running. And forgive me if I've said this before, but it is my firm belief that in 2028, the Trump rallies will be chanting, help her up. Because she can't go away. She's like the hitchhiker in the movie Creep Show, where it just keeps coming, you know, keeps coming back. Thanks for the rod, lady. Thanks for the rod, lady. And, and she just keeps coming back and we can't get rid of her. She's like a stray cat we fed once, but whatever. I hope she gets into the ring. In the movie Kingpin, I want to see Roy Munson bowl one more time. And, and Trump is certainly the big Ern McCracken of politics. So who doesn't want to watch the show? I know I do. Uh, 95-year-old President Jimmy Carter hospitalized after falling and fracturing his pelvis on Monday. Uh, never good. Uh, it's his third fall uh, in three months. Uh, not good. Apparently there's a, a typo on page 12 of the Karma Sutra. So let's try to straighten that out. I'm kidding. Come on, man. Stop it. I'm just, come on, being silly over here. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Ah, oh, get better, Jimmy Carter. Uh, he's, uh, <laughs> this is the thing about Jimmy Carter. If Trump loses, I believe Jimmy Carter dies in peace because there's another living one-termer besides him. You know, he used to have H.W. Bush and him and Carter were the, the one-termers who, who survived and, and were together. Now he's the exclusive member of that club. I think if Trump uh, loses, he can die in peace. Uh, if Trump wins, I don't know how this works out for him. But uh, Jimmy Carter, an honorable and a decent man. And if you don't agree with him, you didn't like him, you didn't vote for him, you don't like the way he handled the hostage situation, that's fine. He's still Jimmy Carter, still a nice guy. He's a goddamn Georgia peanut farmer. You're going to start hating Georgia peanut farmers. I don't know that there's anything we can do for you. Talk to this brother, will you? I think he can still be saved. I don't know, Mr. President. Oh, here's one for you. A study from Switzerland found that taking unscheduled naps may help fight heart disease. So there's one perk to dating Bill Cosby. That's stupid. <laughs> I couldn't resist. It's a flesh prison. I don't even like write these ahead of time. I just read them and have these horrible reactions, and I apologize for that. But uh, yeah, this is not a study. Uh, anytime I read a study about sleep, I'm like, yeah, three guys in lab coats hung over and got caught dozing off on the beakers again. And like, oh, yeah, we're just, you know, doing some research here. It's not what you think. Uh, <laughs> why do I have glitter on my face? Uh, it was part of the research where, you know, you're doing like fairy dust, you sleep in, Tinkerbell. These people are full of shit. Oh, man. Oh, here's another one, too. Um, new study suggests that fertility doctors are giving couples bad advice when it comes to conception. 
So they're saying these guys aren't terribly accurate, like the weathermen of of fertility, in that they're predicting like, oh, it's good to plant your you know crops today because they're going to get that rain front and it'll be more fertile and things will go on. They're like basically fertility doctors are like a shitty farmer's almanac, and uh, they're a lot more expensive than the shittiest farmer's almanac. I can tell you, I am not the expert on this. I was very fortunate to have been blessed with one child. Uh, the state would never, ever let us have a second one, so we're trying to get our money's worth out of this one. Uh, the only thing I could ever weigh in on in terms of fertility doctors is, uh, yeah, never go to a fertility doctor who offers to do it himself. Uh, Jenny and I learned that the hard way. Did we ever? Uh, here's an interesting story. Uh, at least I thought so anyway. Justin Trudeau has won a second term as the prime minister of Canada. It was a narrow election. He, his party lost its majority in the government. But uh, he's back in power, Justin, uh, Justin Trudeau. They, 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 there was concern that the Canadian people wanted a fresh face, uh, so I guess he washed off his makeup and gave him one. I don't know. Uh, but I always wonder, like, Canadian elections, it's so much different than American elections. You know, like, in American election, the loser calls the winner to concede. In Canada, the winner calls the loser to apologize. He's like, hey, I'm so sorry, eh? I, I know you wanted to be prime minister. I, I'm really sorry, eh? Uh, we, this, it didn't have to go down like this. Better luck next time is what I think happened. But J- Justin Trudeau is a woke jackass. And shame on Canada for reelecting him because he is the classic epitome and again, I am not castigating all liberals. I think a lot of you are wonderful people. I spent my Fox, my day yesterday at Fox News hanging out with Jessica Tarloff, the biggest liberal in the world. Uh, I do not disparage these people. I like them personally, a, a lot of them. But Justin Trudeau is the classic example of the do as I say, not as I do, you know, progressive, where he's lecturing us about racial equality while he's literally putting on blackface. Megyn Kelly was basically run out of town at NBC. They were going to fire her either way. They didn't want her there, and she was getting railroaded by the people underneath her no matter what was going to happen. But she was, remember this, chased out of town for saying on the air that when I was a kid, it was actually acceptable for people to wear a blackface. I didn't agree with it, but it was a thing that just happened at Halloween, and no one really made a big deal out of it. And they were like, what are you kidding? Get the fuck, get out of here. But she was telling the truth. She was talking about 30 years before Justin Trudeau put blackface on his face and was able to keep his job as the prime minister of Canada. So the Megster wasn't wrong, but unfortunately they were going to chase her out no matter what. Um, it, you know, it was, it was going to get to the point where they were like, whoa, 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 she parked where? It, gone. No, no, she can't have her here anymore because, you know, you can't be Megyn Kelly <laughs> bringing clarifying a conversation about Halloween costumes. You can't talk about covering up your face at NBC. It's one thing if you want to cover up a sex crime, then they're with you all day long and twice on Sunday. But you can't talk about covering up uh, a costume. Unbelievable. Uh, oh, one last thing, and I'm going to let you guys go. It's like, what do you want to listen to me for? You want to rewind Nick DiPaolo and hear him a second time? Well, listen to his show, NickDiPaolo.com. It's NickDip, D-I-P, dot com. Uh, check it out for sure. Support everything he does. Fantastic. And again, you don't have to agree. He's not trying to hurt anybody. They're guy dang jokes, you people. You bunch of jerks. But uh, one last thing uh, before we go in the world of entertainment. We congratulate Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj just recently got married to her boyfriend, 
Kenneth Petty. Kenneth Petty, Nicki Minaj. I did not know who he was. I just Googled Kenneth Petty. I do not believe he is the son of Tom Petty. Uh, <laughs> take what you want from that. Uh, but they seem like a really happy couple. And hopefully uh, they're going to be together for a long, long time by celebrity standards. So like, you know, three years. <laughs> it should be great. But I'm happy for him. I'd like to see it work out. Nicki Minaj is kind of like Cardi B came along is like the new better version of Nicki Minaj. So Nicki could just take her money right off into the sunset and enjoy life is what I implore you to do, Nicki Minaj. Just go hang out, do you, boo. Do Kenny, <laughs> do you, do Ken. do the whole Barnyard Jamboree, I don't care. Um, because the point is you got the money and, and, and there's a better you out there now. There really is. It's like um, Cardi B is to Nicki Minaj as Mayor Pete is to Beto. Like, first we got Beto. Now, guy's young and he's progressive. He's like a Kennedy. He's got all these ideas. He panders to women. He's a completely empty vessel. We can pin any ideal on him we want, and we can sell it in the press, and he'll be wonderful. But then they came with an, a better Beto, a Gato, if you will, because Mayor Pete was not only Beto, but he knew what he was talking about. He was a veteran. He was gay, which gives you some oppression points on the Democratic side. And he got shoved aside. It was like Gato shoved aside Beto. And it's like Mayor Pete is the Cardi B of politicians. They're the hipper, cooler, genuine article version of their predecessor. So don't spin this into Jimmy Fallon takes shots at Mayor Pete. Listen, Mayor Pete's got bigger problems than Jimmy Fallon. Have you seen the crime rate in South Bend? I think he'll make a phenomenal vice president if someone can get elected and carry him across the finish line. But I don't see him winning the damn thing. I do see you, the listener, tuning in tomorrow because we have a stellar episode of Everybody Calm Down on the books. I'm not even going to hype this one. I, I'm not. You know what? No, just show up. What, what do you want from me? I'm here. You can watch the Kennedy Show tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on the Fox Business Channel. Uh, replays again at midnight. Um, I will be on Fox News Radio, Fox Across America, all next week, 12 to 3, Monday through Friday. And because you people are so great to us, we got this fantastic write-up yesterday in The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, I'm going to find a way to do all five episodes of this show next week while hosting uh, five days of radio and four days of television on Kennedy. So check it out. Appreciate the support. We love you guys. We got to go. It's over. Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy.